0: Good morning everybody. Today with the channel we'll be learning of in Maseches Kidushin. Welcome back, Barry. Happy anniversary. Many, many more in good health. Okay, eight lines up from the wide lines in your and base. You see what that is, Barry? The two, the two dots? Ama lo Eno Okay? So the Ama Ivriya, you don't uh, she get she doesn't get inherited. See what I mean? She works for the Adon. And if the Adon dies. She's out of there. Ask the Gemara. me mean, not only Ami Rabbi Pado the Amar Kar, because the pasuk says sekein." Okay, which is to say, uh, you're supposed to. It's a really, actually, enigmatic. I don't know if that's the right word. Pasuk. The pasuk in Devarim says "ve'la'kachta samartzeav" and be'ozno v'idelat." It's talking about the Eved Nirza, right? And it says "ve'elcha Eved lo lam," and so Eved olam. So he's going to be. Eternally your slave. So it's talking about the Evan nirza, And then it says, V'av aschot mascha And you should also do that la mascha. Now we know that the Ama Ivriya does not, there's no nirza by a woman. That there is no such thing as an Ama Ivriya So what's this v'av v'la mascha It's in, like a non sequitur. Like it doesn't stim, as you would say. So it doesn't make any sense. So what is the? Hekesh says the Gemara, hikisha la the Passock compares the Ama Ibri to the to Evid the Nirza in the following way. Ma Nirza ain't Oved Loisaben Just like it happens to be, ironically, right? Well, I don't know if it's ironic, but an Evad despite the fact that he wants to stay with the Adon forever, he only wants to stay with this Adon forever. He has like an emotional attachment to the guy, right? But once the Adon dies, he doesn't uh, work for the inheritors, for the Yorshim. So similarly, Ama Ibri ain't Oved Loisaben The Ama also. So that's the comparison. She doesn't work for the uh, for the heirs, right? And that's the comparison. That's what the pasuk means when it says that af la matcha Okay. The Gemara, however, says matcha la So the Gemara wants to know how do you know that that's a limud? You know, we had a Rashi yesterday, Barry, that said that you know these limuds are really mesoras from you know some. In other words, they're not compelling. You wouldn't know. But the point is here, right, so how would you know that that's exactly what it means? Maybe you need, because after all, we have a different limit from the same pasuk, because it says in the Haanik that the context of what the Ivriya has in common with the Eved is for the severance package, the Ha'anaka. Atah Omer le'ha'anik, so wait, d- does it mean that you should have to give her right the severance package when she departs, just like you do for, isn't that what we learned from Levath Lama Ivria? Or maybe it said means that maybe it should just mean a totally different thing. Maybe it should mean the push-up shot. Maybe it should just mean that she should be, have her ear pierced by the doorway. Like, in other words, the most simple explanation of the of the Pasuk, of, is that if she wants to stay, that she also becomes an Evin Nirtzah. If you read the Pasuk, that's what you think it means. So why are we having all these Limudim instead of just reading the Pasuk straight, like it sounds? Ah, it says the Gemara, See, when the Pasuk, Kshehu is referring to the Pasuk, when the Pasuk says, if the Eved will say, I love my master and I want to stay, right? Velo ama ivriah. See what I mean? Because in the beginning of the pasuk it says haeved and not the ama ivrya. It is from there that we learn that the context of the pasuk is in just talking about the male, and that when it says veaf lamas, it must not mean that she also becomes an evneritzer. It must mean something else, and that's how we know that it means something else. So either it means the hanik that she gets the severance package, or it means uh, what we said that she doesn't get work for the heirs, but it does not mean that she gets to become an ama ivrya Nirtsa, right? So that's what it says. So, reading it inside in the it's referring to only the male servant, not the female. So, once you know that in the context of Ritziah, it's only talking about the male, then what would be the right, fulfillment of and, of, and you should also do it, it's referring to the severance package. So, that's what the Bryson says. The Bryson says, that she gets a severance package just like an Evan So the Gemara then says, Im ke'n, ke'n. Maybe the Pasuk didn't have to say ta'asekein. Why, why did it have to just, uh, maybe it could have just said my taase. What's this extra word of taase? Shmas minat So the Gemara concludes that because it says ta'asekein, that's why we learned the two aspects that the woman is similar to the Evan Namely, number one, she doesn't serve the Yorshin, which is how we started with the Gemara. And number two, that she gets the severance. Okay, so those are the two limudim that we learned from Ba'aflam Okay, now you know, Barry. Okay, four lines down in the wide, two dots. Anirzah Ben So now we're saying that also, not only the Ama but also the Evid Nirtza, and also an Evid that's sold to star worshippers. They don't work the, for the heirs either. How do we know? You take him, you pierce his ear against the doorway, and he works for him forever. You see? Because it says, He works for him for eternity. So obviously for him, sounds like it's specific to this master, not his heirs. Okay. How do you know that if an Eved is salt over Kachavim, he doesn't have to work for his heirs? He doesn't have to work for his heirs. This is when you're talking about the redemption. You say make a reckoning, right? Like a redemption, you, you do do negotiation, and you reckon and you purchase and you redeem from what his purchaser. So the purchaser is the over kachavim, not the heirs of the over It sounds like there is no scenario where their heirs of the over would require this negotiation. That's because he doesn't get passed over to the of the, of the to the heirs. He just once the master dies. He goes away. Now, having said that, okay, we're going to record halachas that Rava has to say. We're going to go off into a little uh, a little lumdas paradise about the um, ability to inherit amongst overdei and converts. Because, as we know, uh, so so the, the issue is like this: we have the concept of inheritance in in from Jew to Jew. That's true. Uh, as we will learn, it, so, so the question is, is there a concept of inheritance when it comes to non-Jews, one to the other, in halacha, okay? Uh, as we will see, there is. And then the question, right, in other words, you might say that halachically, that, one is, that, that, that only Jews inherit to each other halachically, but that's not true. Non-Jews also inherit to each other. Where it becomes uh, different is when a Jew, when a non-Jew converts... So he becomes like a tinok right? He becomes a new person. So if you have, let's say, a non-Jewish family and one kid converts, he does not inherit from his father necessarily. Does he or does he not? So let's dig in. Rava is going to explain. I'm a Rava. Dvar So Min Torah, there's a concept that a star worshiper is going to inherit from his parents. It's an interesting, right? Rava is always going to be clever. There's a clever way that he learns it. Why? Because uh, as per our recent... Pasuk, when we say that you negotiate im koneho, and you don't negotiate im yoshe koneho, explains Ravim, in other words, the only reason you need a Pasuk to teach you that you only are going to negotiate with the master, right, and that there is no concept of the uh, of the Eved transferring to the heirs, that assumes that there's such a thing as heirs altogether when it comes to Ovedik and that therefore is the Right, the assumption that, that Rav, that's the inference that Ravah makes that in fact, Ovedek in a normal case, does have heirs, it just happens to be that they don't pass along the Eved. So Ravah continues, Ger So, what, so again, you have a non Jewish family, and, so, and, a, and one of the kids converts, so that halachically. He's not really going to be an heir because he's like a Tino Kshinola. He's a new uh, being and he does not inherit. However, Rabbanan wanted him to inherit. So they said, okay, you're going to inherit the Tanan because we have a Mishnah and demai that says, koch- What's the case? So, right, you have the, um, uh, right, the, the Washington, the uh, Huxtable family, okay. And, uh, and so the, one of the kids converts Obviously, Theo. So one of the kids converts, and they are Yorish, the Ovid uh, Kachavim, the right? So now, the Ger, Yachalomar, the Ovid Kachavim, Tolata Avodas Kachavim, Anima. So it's an interesting thing. So one of the things that the Huxtable kids are going to inherit is all this, like, Avotazar uh, Chachkis. So obviously, this kid converted, right? He's, he's in uh, Eshatara uh, now. So he doesn't want the Avodasar tchotchkes. So he'll tell his siblings, you take all the Avodah Kachavim and I'll take the money. They're like, oh wow, you really are a Jew now, okay? So he wants the cash. He doesn't want the chatchkis. Or similarly, yai nesach Right? you take all the Yain Nesach for the Avodah Zara, and I'll just take the other, the good the kosher fruit. Now, however, the uh, Mishnah continues to explain that Mishabodah Shuzger, also. If accidentally, so to speak, uh, Theo Huxtable is the one that converted, he gets the uh the the, the stuff, he can't switch it out for the other stuff. Why? As Rashi explains, because that would be uh getting enough for it, right? You can't trade in your Avodazara stuff for cash because that's literally getting Hannah from Avotazara items and we are not allowed to do that. Okay? So if he inadvertently so to speak gets the Avodazara stuff he can't switch it out, fine. So all of this explains the Gemarvi. If you're going to say that the inheritance actually works, even for the Ger, then Then he, it, it doesn't matter whether it accidentally, you know, ends up in his inheritance in the will or not, right? The only thing that would matter would be that it would happen automatically, in which case he would never be able to get on for it anyways, right? In other words, as soon as he takes them, right, the, as soon as he takes, meaning the kosher stuff, right, the, the cash or the kosher food uh, uh, from the inheritance, uh, the kosher fruit, he's going to automatically be switching it out because really he automatically inherited the, right, the Avodah stuff also, if it, in fact the inheritance works with the rice for a gear, and therefore it would be automatic that he'd be getting the Isra hana. Rather, says the Gemara, Midirabonum. So that's how we know that really his inheritance is midar Midirabonum, he's not really getting anything. But mid Rabbanon, they wanted him to be able to inherit his parents. Why? In other words, the Rabbanon said, you know what? If we did not allow him to inherit his parents, maybe he would reconsider, he would reconsider his gerus, uh, right? In other words, he'll be happy to be a ger until the father dies and then he's going to want to convert back and in order to just get the inheritance, right? Because after all, right, there's, let's say, a big inheritance. That's a big nisayon for him to not get anything. So Chazal said, yes, you can be, right, when you, can, you go to the lawyer's meeting when they're uh, divvying out the will, and you can actually get from that, um, from that uh, inheritance. That's a darabana, because Mito Raisa, he's not entitled to any of it. Fine. How do we know? So Tanya Namihachi, we have a Braise that supports this assertion that Mider and he the Ger inherits his uh, uh, non-Jewish parents. We made the We're talking about a case where they were Yerush. Right. But the Brysa says that let's say there was a bi- joint business venture. But they're saying like this, in a joint business venture, if you want to dissolve it, then you can't switch anything. You can't say when you joined the business venture and the business venture had some of the and some kosher stuff. You can't say, I'll take the kosher stuff because when they were actual partners, they, by definition, jointly owned everything, right? So that's really what an inheritance is supposed to be like, right? Inheritance is a jointly owned venture that gets divvied up, right? It's a estate. Everybody owes it together and then you divvy it up and everybody goes their own separate ways. So technically, that would be the case if he was Yerush Midor Raisa and he wouldn't be able to inherit any of the kosher stuff. In the case of an inheritance, since he doesn't really inherit any of it, that's the only reason why he can get the kosher stuff because he doesn't inherit any, any of it. So, so it's really not his it, until he actually takes possession of it. But in a shutfas, where it was a real official business right, partnership, there he actually would um be in ownership of it. And in that scenario, he can't take the kosher stuff because after all, that would be akin to trading in, so to speak, the Avodazara stuff for the kosher stuff. That's an isar a of the Avodah and that's not allowed. And so therefore that price supports the notion that the Ger is not really yoreish right, from right from uh, from any of the inheritance, but the Rabbanon allowed it um for his sake in order to keep him in the fold, as it were. Okay. So now four lines up from the bottom, over Kacham is a Bigerasager. Right. So in Ovid Kachavim, how how does that work? Inherit the possession of his father who converted. So his father must have converted, but he didn't. Like, or his mother didn't, or he didn't convert until uh, right after he was born, right? So he's an Ovid Kachavim. So then um, So then the question is would he inherit the possessions of his father? So we say, yes. Begerisager. And the Ger is going to also inherit his converted father, but that's ain't ain't So those cases are not inheriting. I'm sorry. So let me let me let me resay that. And Ovid kachavim can't inherit from a ger, and a ger can't inherit from a ger. Not from divrei and not from divrei soferim. In those cases, even the rabbanon would not allow it. Where do we learn that? The non, it says, but really it's a we're not going to find this mission anywhere. So it's really it's us Some say it's the Tanya. Love a mouse mean of emo. If you borrowed money, okay, from a this is interesting. So again, this time the entire Huxtable family is converting, everybody, dad and the kids. So everybody's converting at the same time. Okay, and you borrow money, right, from the from them, then they convert, and then the person right, so the Huxtables lend you money when they were the Huxtables before the conversion, and then they convert. Uh, and, then, and then let's say the father dies right? So you borrow money from the father And then they convert and then the father dies You don't have to give it to the children And then an interesting idea And on top of that And it's like even frowned upon That if you actually return the money So you'd say at least you're being a good guy Okay, the Chachamim don't think You could be a good guy But you don't have to be a fool Like the Chachamim are not going to say That that's even a good thing You don't have to give it to them at all Wow is that really true? Vihatanya says the Gemara. We do have a brisa, and this might have been a Mishnah actually, because this looks like it's a Mishnah in Shviyas. That in fact the Chachamim do like it. So when do they like it? When do they not like it? When you pay the money back once a person converted. So says the Gemara. If everybody was like not Jewish, right, both in conception and then in birth, and then later converted. So then, as we finally arrive at the Aleph, so then you don't have to return it at all. However, Dusha. but if he was conceived, right, not when he was yet a Jew, and then later, but the whole conversion happened prior to his birth, so then when the conversion happens prior to his birth, so then uh, he's born a Jew, right? But really, He's still a new person, so you don't really have to repay him, right? So he, it's, he's literally a katan shenolad, right? There is no connection between the person you borrowed from and the person you you, let, you give it back to. So you don't really have to give it back the loan. However, that's where Chazal would actually allow you and would be okay with you paying back because if you did not pay him back, then people would be confused. You'd be, they would think that you wouldn't have to pay back a Jew altogether. So because this guy seems like a Jew, you have to pay him back. Just to be clear, it's not that you don't have to pay the loans of non-Jews back. That's not the case. Of course, you have to pay p- back loans to non-Jews. What you don't have to do is pay back to non-Jews who then converted because they're considered new people. And that's not the same person you borrowed from. That's how extreme we go, Andrew, with the katan shenola dummy. It's like a different person altogether. Okay, now let's, let's get into your Ches. Here we go. Okay, Rava says so, so like this. So again, we understand this idea of Rava that, that, that when there's conversion, it's not Medivrei Torah Or uh Sofraim in that case Now He quoted Reb Yochanan saying that An Ovid kacham is Yerush's father That's what we just said And that's midorai. So how do we know? Because it says Now he has an alternative source Right? We had our source So now he has another source What's the other source? This is uh, unusual That what? Then we know that Hashem gave Har to Esav. What does that have to do with a a non-Jew? So there's a mechlokas here from the Rishonim. Um, Why we're not, this is a Divar, why why are we not allowed to pass Edom? Because that was given to to Esav. So the rush here seems to make more sense, but not as much as Rashi in the context of the Gemara. The rush says is, now, is Esav Jewish, Andrew? Was Esav Jewish? You would think so. I mean, he was a son of one of the Imbahos. I'd like to think that he was Jewish, right? He was. wasn't he Rivka's son, like she's amazing. And Yaakov's brother, like Yaakov's was Jewish. Or does it? Only, who's a Jew, Barry? Like when does it start? Is it Zerah Avram only through right, only through Yitzchak, and then Yaakov, skipping Esav, and then his children? It's unclear from this gemara. Why? Because this implies, according to Rashi, that Esav wasn't Jewish, and that his source that. That there is Yerusha to non Jews. The fact that Esav had a Yerusha of Har Seir shows that there's a Yerusha to non Jews. However, Rashi, however, then the Gemara says V'Dil Meistral Mumar Shiny. So that's what the next thing the Gemara says. It refers to Esav not as a non Jew, but a Yisrael Mumar. So initially, it's like a Havamino You know, the Esav isn't Jewish, and then there's an assumption that he's Jewish, but he's a Yisrael Mumar. Okay, so which means that like he's a Kuifer, but even though he's a Kuifer, like. He's still considered a Jew with respect to, right, inheritance. You don't say that, like, only, only the kids that are, you know, yeshivish get inherited, you know, the, the stuff. Anyway, Rav Babin says, you know, that's right. Forget Esav. This is confusing suya what his status was. And that's, like I said, what the Rush says that's referring to as inheritors. Now, those who inherited Esav, there's, there's a question there. Were they Jewish? In other words, Esav clearly married Shixas. The question is, did they convert? We don't know. right? His parents would probably frown upon him you know, him marrying non-Jewish girls, but there weren't that many Jewish girls to choose from. Anyway, it's a confusing sugya. It's, so, so it's assumed that Asaph's children weren't Jewish, perhaps, or maybe not. Maybe they converted. I don't know. Anyway, at the end of the day, we get out of the Asaph's sugya and says, ki lot natati es ar a different source, that the children of Lot certainly were not Jewish, because that's before Judaism. And they were non-Jewish. And yet, there's a concept of Yerusha there. They got the city of Ar. And therefore, we see that there's Yerusha by non-Jews. And the question is, why do you need to reject Ravah's? He says, v'chashavim konehu, right? R- Ravah had, our, uh, had a super clever right uh, inference from the idea of that you have, to, um, you have to make a reckoning only with the original Baal of the Eved and not from the Yershim. And from there, he inferred that there are such things as Yershim. So the question is, Rav Chiyab HaAven, my time, Lamar Karava. Why do we need this extra thing of Lot's descendants to teach you? Why can't you just have Rava's clever derivation? Rav and Koneo, says the Gemara, Miksiv and Koneo, V'loim Yoshe Koneo. The reason Rav Chiyab liked his shot better is because this inference doesn't necessarily mean what Rava thinks it means. In other words, all it says is make a reckoning with the right master. It doesn't, it, you can infer that there, that, that that you make a reckoning with the master not with his heirs, and therefore that teaches you that there are such a thing as heirs. Or you could just say it means you make a reckoning with the master. <laughs> and like, you know, you gotta you gotta make an account. But and maybe if there were heirs, you would make an account with the heirs also. Like you know, maybe Rava's reading too much into it. Okay. So that's why R Rav, Ravkhi doesn't learn like Rava. Why does Rava not learn from the straight Bnei Lot shot of Rakhi Brahavin? Rava, my time alone or Avin says the Mishim Meshum da Avram Shiny. Yeah, maybe the only reason that inheritance works is because Lot's descendants were treated better and were actually given it, so to speak, by God, right? Like, like that was a divine inheritance uh, out of deference to Avraham Avinu, and maybe that's a different thing. And the Yorish, not because of the power to inherit of a, of an Ovekechavim, but simply because of the fact that, right, uh, it was given to them uh, divinely, so to speak. Okay, so now, two dots, 10 lines down. be Okay, so now we're going to outline this. This is like, this is really helpful. This would have been even more helpful earlier. I had to go back, Barry, because of your question. I don't know if you listened to yesterday, this year. And I had to read back Rambam's of Avodim. And I got a little bit better. Some things are a little fuzzy. We're going to clarify a lot of the of Avodim now. Here we go. Bryce says, Yesh beivri shein beivriya, Yesh beivri shein So this is like a chazara of Avodim. There's Avodim. What's the difference between Evan ivri and ama an ivriya? Some things she, uh, the Abed Ivri has that the Alma Ivri doesn't. Some things the Alma Ivri has that the Ivri doesn't. Yesh be Ivri, shu yotsu bishanah be Adon. The Evet Ivri goes out after six years and after Yovel and after the Odon dies. Masha ain't be'ivri. This is, uh, if you think that this is against our Mishnah, you better believe it is, right? This makes it sound like an Alma Ivri doesn't go out, bishanah yovel of misis Adon. That's what the Bresha sounds like, if she doesn't go out. Okay, the Gemara is going to ask that. Furthermore, okay, so that we know is unique to an Ami Ivriya. She goes out as soon as she shows Simanim of maturity. She can't be sold twice. Okay, so this is another Chiddush that an Ivri can be sold twice, but an Ami cannot. Umaf bal and Redeemer, even against Bal Korcha, we're going to see. Bal Korcha of who? The Gemara is going to discuss. All of this is unique to Nama Ivriya, not to Nevedi We'll see that inside. And in the Braisa, the said, what's another? Uh, okay? So that's the first thing, right? This is the Gemara now taking the Braisa and analyzing it piece by piece. Amar Mar here means the Braisa said. So let's take it piece by piece as follows. So the first thing, Urmini Right, there's a contradiction between the Bresa and the Mishnah. It says in our Mishnah, Yaseyrel of Ama Ivriya aspa Our Mishnah says that the Ama Ivri is different than the Evid Ivri in the sense that she's kona, she, she goes out as soon as she has uh, signs of physical maturity. But that, okay, is, doesn't mean that she doesn't go out by Yovel and all these other things. In those ways, she's certainly, our Mishnah is conceding. That in those ways, she's certainly similar to an Evid Ivri, that she goes out in Yovel and after six years. So Amah Rav Sheshesh Yes, the case, of our Brisa, where she doesn't go out during the six years in Yovel and all that, is when in fact the master married her through Yud. Okay, well, the Well, then she's married, Gita boy, right, well, if she's married, the only way she goes out then is with a get, she's his wife, and of course she doesn't go out after six years. So says the Gemara, you might have said that even after she, mar- she marries him, we, we should still treat her like an Ama Ivriya. I don't know why you would think that, but maybe you would. So Kamash Malan, you have to learn that. No. Once, she, once he marries an Alma ivrya, she's like Ishtalachal Dava, right? So she's actually like his wife. So says the Gemara, well, if this is in fact the case of the Brisa, so then how, how do you, what do you mean she goes up to Simanim? If, right, if the master marries the Alma Ivria, doesn't she stay as his wife? She doesn't go out with signs of Bagras? So that's obviously the, not what the case is. So the Gemara says, Hachi Kamar. This is really how the Brisa was supposed to read. Imlo yaada yotza That's what it means. If the, if he marries her, then she stays as his wife lechol davar. That's what the first part of the bris is teaching you. And if he doesn't, then she'll go out right with simanim, which is a way that she goes out that's unique to the ama Ivrya, That every ivri doesn't go out that way. Okay, that's that part of the bris. Then the bris continues and says that you can't sell the ama Ivrya twice. Okay, that's the two dots in the middle of the page. Says, that implies that whereas the Ama Ivriya doesn't get sold twice, the every Ivri does get sold twice. However, we have a price that says, Okay, there is, okay, so then I, I was looking in the, I was looking all over for this in I I and again, last night, I didn't find it. Falo, Big feylo, means like this, that it, Okay, how does an every become an evidivir? Two ways. This is the very beginning of the Hilchus Avadim in the Rambam. And it's in our Gemara. I mean, you would learn all these halachas if you learned the Gemara's, but it's a little out of order. The Rambam is very helpful in organizing it, like this. And it, In all these cases, I had in Ronisi, totally told you, Barry, that he could be rich and wealthy and going into Not really. A person could only uh, become an evidivir by either selling himself to servitude and turning into a career, or being sold by Bezdin. The case where he turns it into careers where he can only do so, uh, when, and the Raman codifies this, if he's totally destitute. They're not gonna let you just do it, stop, cause that's, cause you think that's an easy career path. You have, you have to be destitute to do so. And similarly, how do you become an every, if Besden sells you? Only if you can't pay back, uh, uh, the Karen. Okay? So, and again, a person sells something, in the case where a ganav has to pay back KFL, as we know according to the torah you have to pay back a penalty of kefel the penalty the extra Knoss is if you can uh pay back the principal that you stole then you're not going to be sold to slavery by bezdin it's only when you cannot pay back the the so so for example if the penalty you don't have money to pay for so then we're not going to sell you to slavery we're going to make you pay the principal okay but if you don't have the money even for the principal that's when is going to sell you uh, okay, so that's how that happens. So that's what it says, Vatanya that when he's sold, but, not, but only when he can't pay back the principal, if he can't pay back the kefalo, we're still not gonna. that's not going to be enough to, for us to sell you into servitude. And similarly, biz, uh, we get soon enough to aid him, but here there's, a, there's, there's cases where if you try to, if you're aid zomim, and you get a hazama penalty, and you can't afford it, you don't get sold into slavery for that. Okay. And then it says, again, once he's it's only for that one theft that once you sell him once, you can't sell him a second time. So this last idea makes it sound like not only in Amma Ivriah, but also in ivri can't be sold twice. So now the Gemara is going to try to resolve this, uh, this contradiction. Amma Rava, Rava is going to say, Yeah. Well, if you stole once, for each time that you that you stole you get sold only once so for example if you are worth and we're going to get into this in the realm gets into this, if you're an evid worth $500 and you stole something worth $1000 we're not going to make you do two terms of servitude right for that same theft but if you stole $1000 twice <laughs> from two different dudes so then you're going to get sold each of those times in two different periods times of your life so to which It sounds like uh is a single. It, it means many thefts. Gnevaso. So uh, Rashi here says that this is going to be grammatical. This gets a little complicated, and it's really ambiguous. It's it's very it's a it's a big deal. Tosfos doesn't like what Rashi has to say, but what Abaye is saying on the surface is Bignevaso means with his theft in a in a larger sense. That's what Tosvas is also explaining, it just means theft in general. So when you say theft in general, and he brings other cases where you, uh, Rashi brings other cases where you use a word, and you're using it like in the abstract. Like theft just means in general. Whenever there's theft, you get sold. So even if it's multiple times, right, it just means that in the case of theft, uh, you get sold in every case of theft. So if you have multiple cases of theft, you're gonna get sold multiple times. El Abaye Loka. Mhm. So the zoniim don't get that same penalty They get Malchus instead. Right. the oh, so same thing. The soya is also on on the person that actually sold it. Okay. So, oh, so so Andrew's pointing. So, so Andrew using his Bakius and in, in Malchus Vadim uh, Zomimim to explain how this uh Gneivas So is unique to him and not to the zoniim, and so we have that extra leaner from that pasuk Yeshu we are going to get to Sefer and to to soon. Okay. So Abayah says, no, I don't like this idea of Gneva so um right, meaning only one. I like, it, I like to say that it's not two thefts, it's two thefts of two different people. You see, uh, Rava seemed to imply that it could be two thefts of one person. Abayah seems to think that he'd prefer two thefts of two different people, okay. So Taner Okay, let's talk about the conditions where an evad would be sold. Gnevo elef v'shava chameshmo. So that's the case I said. He sold a $1,000 thing, and he's only worth $500. Says the b'raisa, nimkar v'chosev v'nimkar. Wow. That you're going to what? Serve two terms um, to pay off your debt. Gnevo chameshmo. v'shava elef. Eno nimkar klal. If you sold uh, $500 worth of stuff, and you're worth 1000 you can't be sold at all. Right. Well, you can't be sold because you got too much money, right? We don't want uh, avadim. You're going We're just gonna make you pay, right? In other words, you're well, right? You, or you're worth too much. So what are you gonna do? You don't really have the money, but you're worth too much. Mm-hmm. This brings up an unbelievable halacha, uh, as Rabbi Eliezer will say now in the Nimkar. The only case where you get sold is if you're, if it happens to be that your price as an Evid on the open market is precisely the amount, right, that you stole, right? nimkar. Otherwise, you're never going to be an Evid. It's almost like a ben uh, Amur, that there is no case of an Evid because you have to be worth the exact precise amount. That's what it sounds like. So I I, I didn't remember seeing this in Rambam. Where, how does he codify this? So like a fool... I said, I don't remember this. I read all through Hikles of Adam again and I didn't see it again. And then I just had to look. The Gemara, of course, shows you where the Rambam codifies it. And the small hay shows it's in Hichel Zavadim. It's an interesting. I think we can make a shear out of this. I and mean, We don't have time for that, obviously. But uh, I, I, it, to me, teach, it teaches me, uh, this is a, like a half-baked thought. But to me, it teaches me that this is a real knas of Gneva. This abdus isn't the contract and it's not, right? It's, uh, that's why I don't think it's, it makes sense to learn Right, the halachas of employees out of this. This is a very unique knast to Gonev when Beis Din sells you. So it's an outgrowth of Ilchas Geneva. I might be reading too much into it, but in Rabham and Ganeva, to, just to tell you, uh, sounds like in, it's in, you could look it up in Perakim al-Achla sounds like you only get sold in Eved if you have nothing left. We'll put it that way. It, not necessarily if you have the ex, only the exact amount right? But the point is, if you are too valuable, so then maybe you wouldn't be sold. Be that as it may, um, Rava is going to say like this. I'm a Rava. Uh, he liked the pshat of Ravah Lezer over the Rabbanon. He likes the idea of where you have to have a precise, the, that you only get sold if you're worth exactly what you stole. Because you can make the following argument. If you're worth right, a thousand, and you stole $500 worth of stuff. You're not going to be sold. Why? The nimkar Because the Torah says, nimkar, you should be sold. nimkar In other words, it sounds like nimkar that the same amount that you are worth is the same amount that you owe, right? So if you're worth more than you owe, so then you're not giving all of you. You're giving only a part of you in order to give it off. And that doesn't, that's not what the Torah says. The Torah wants it to be even. So hachina nimkar nimkar nevaso. So in the other direction, it should also work. So Rava here also says that big nevaso, right, it shouldn't work if you're worth more than how much you stole, and it shouldn't work if you're worth less than how much you stole. So that's where Rava, he really likes Rava Leza's shot. It was unclear to me whether the Raman holds like this or not. Um, but that is a, a fascinating thing, right? We're talking about a volume. all this time, sold by Besdin, it would hardly ever happen. How often is the amount that you stole, the exact amount that you actually would be worth in the open market as a slave, interesting. Rabbi also points out, you don't actually do it on the open market, you do it bitsinna. These are the things that are done b'tzinnah. Anyway, 15 lines up. Okay, so we redeem, and I'm even against the will. Who's against the will? It's very, we don't know what this statement means. It means that you have to be put to her even though her master doesn't want it. What's the case, right? What's the halacha that the Bryce is trying to teach? That, that maybe you'll argue that the father wrote, what? An IOU. In other words, if he actually redeemed her and he paid money for her, so of course she is going to redeem her. So, what's the halacha? Like, what's the bal karcha? So, the bal would be that instead of giving him money, he says, "I'll give you the money." Just and then, still, she goes that bal karcha? Am I? Why should that be the case, asks day. The, the master currently has a pearl, a beautiful, valuable thing in his hand. right? And, he's, and you're going to give him like a piece of, of uh, pottery. You're going to give him a tchotchke, an IOU that's worth nothing. And for that, you're going to get that pearl out of the master's hands. That doesn't make any sense, is Abayah. It must mean that the Av... She can be redeemed even if the father doesn't want to. Mishum Pagam Why would the Av not want to? So there's a here also what the Pagam is. But the point is like this. The father wants her to stay in servitude. Why? Barry, she was destroying his credit card, right? Like he couldn't even read the numbers on it anymore. So he wanted her to be someone else's problem. And he sold her as an ama Ivria, right? So it's a Pagam for her to languish in slavery. So we're going to make... Him redeem her if he has the money, if he can afford to. We're going to say, no, no, no bring her back. You're not supposed to have. Children are slaves. If you can afford her, she's supposed to live under your roof. He doesn't want her under his roof because he knows it's going to cost him. He's going to have to. He knows what having her under his roof means, and, and her shopping habits. But that doesn't. That's why we force the father, according to Abayah, to take her back. So it says the Gemara. Why should that only apply to a father and his daughter? Maybe every every, every should be redeemed by his family, so he shouldn't stay in servitude. It says the Gemara. Yeah in the case of an avertery he has the power to go and sell himself again so maybe he'll do that and then pocket the the money from the sale how he does that i don't know but it goes back to Barry's question of how he has i mean in other words i thought he could only go back if he's destitute be that as it may ha khanami hadar azul masbinlay still whatever she's she can also the father can resell her also in other words once we force him to redeem her maybe we could force him to sell her so says the Gemara. No, he can't. In other words, an maybe can be sold twice, as we discussed. But hers, hakatani, itim for finishnes. Once she's redeemed, she can never go back. Okay, umani. And who is the Tana who says that in the Bais of Reb Shimon? This is the opinion of Rishimen. The Right. So uh, actually, in the beginning of the Bais, the Tana comes says that a man can actually sell, sell his wife to ishus more than once, twice to, for more than once for marriage. So again, she gets married while she's a katana, and let's say the husband dies or whatever, or it's, the marriage is terminated, the father can still marry her off again. Or the shifchas vishonah, if the same thing happens, he can send her to Shivchas repeatedly. Or the Ishus sachar first she was a shifcha, and then afterwards he can sell it to Ishus. The only thing you can't do is that once she was an isha, and then let's say her husband died, you can't sell her as a shifcha. That's the tanakama. And then the braysha continues to Rav America shame just like you can't sell her the Sahar ishus right so right what's the case of Sahar ishus that you everybody agrees that's again he he el kiddushin and then the husband died he can't send her the shivchas, as Rashi explains that's what we that's how we understood it. Anyway, just like you can't send sell her to shivchos after she was already married, <laughs> you also can't do shivchos after she was already a shivcha. So that is the opinion of Rav Shimon. Once we see that that's the opinion of Shimon, we know that the Shifcha can't be sold twice, and that's the reason why, right? You we redeem her, and she's not going to go back. As opposed to Eved Ivri, you can redeem him, but he'll go back. Okay. So says the Gemara. We've looked at the the Tanya, Big Doba. What's the machlokus between Tana of and Rav Shimon? Well. We haven't machlokus. What bevigdo ba means? We kept talking about this pasuk. If she imra bein Adonea Shaloya Adave eftalam nachri loim sholam nachra, he can't sell her bevigdo ba. Bevigdo ba. What does it mean? So kaven Shapirish as yitchesamid base. So kaven shepirish talis haaleiha. Bigdo has two derivations. Bigdo ba. We kept saying is a betrayal. Bogdim are betrayers. However, beged is also means a talis, right? A cloth. So kaven Shapirish talis is embedded in the word bevigdo ba. So that's what they're learning out of that pasuk, That once he um, spread his cloak over her like a chuppah, so once you have ishus, then you can't sell it to shifchus anymore. Divir Rabbi Kiva. That's Rebbe Kiva. He said Big dova means begodim. That once there's ishus, there's no more shifchus afterwards. However, Rabbi Yehazar, Dova came from shuv ein Since the father betrayed her by selling her off, it's really not a great situation to sell off your daughter. That's frowned upon. Then he shuv eino russia He can't sell her again. So again, that would be mechlokas. Rabbi Yehazar holds the big dova is you can't have shifchus after shifchus. Rabbi Kiva says you can't have shifchus after ishus Bigdo means the Ishus, Okay, now the Kamiflagi, What are they arguing about in the way that they're reading b'vigdova? A fundamental idea in hermeneutics. So b'leizer savra yesh and therefore b'leizer says aimla mesoras is you um, give primacy right to how to the written uh, to the received the mesoras right. Uh, the way the of the way it's, it's written, written, not the way it's written, but primacy to the way it is read. Right? Bevigdo, right, is actually, so Bevigdo sounds like cloth, Bevigdo, the way it's written, sounds like um, betrayal. Okay? So that's the machlokas. How do you read it? Yesh la Mikra or Yesh la Messoris? So why does Rav Shimon hold that both of them? You don't do it? Because Rav Shimon, Yesh Emel Mikra, Velam That How do you do that? Equal. You give equal primacy to the way it's pronounced and the way it's written, and you can learn both out of it. Um, Yeah, Rav Elephant had a beautiful riff. He says, we call it a binyan av. That's the building blocks. Av, we say, is a father. And here we have aim, lemikra, aim, lemasaurus. That's like the tam so to speak. The flavor and the attitude comes from the mother. So it's aim, lemikra, aim, lemasaurus, and binyan av. Uh, beautiful idea okay so six lines down we have two dots so that's where we begin and that's where we'll pick up tomorrow I mean we'll keep going a little bit now but the question we're going to have is when you do the Yud. a Yud is not like as we'll see we'll talk about the mechanics about it tomorrow uh, it's not on this stuff but Yud is when you designate her and it's a form of kiddushin but it's not exactly kiddushin you don't give her actual kiddushin and the question is because she's an Ama and you're doing this process of Yud where you basically purchase her with the remainder of what she owes so does that accomplish Nisuin also, or just Kiddushin? We know about these Nafkaminas, because we already learned the difference between Nisuin and Kiddushin, that when she's Nisua, so then you inherit her, and if he was a Kohen, he would be been to her, and he could be made for her in Those things are only picked up once there's Nisuin. But during Kiddushin, those things are not yet. So that would be the difference as to whether Yehud is Nisuin. If it's Nisuin, then he does Adopt all these things, and if it's only condition that he doesn't, my what in fact is the halacha? So we'll pick up with what the halacha is tashma. So we'll we'll develop it tomorrow. What is the halacha whether yud is nisur in a condition tomorrow? And that part flies. And and uh, Andrew Bezrat Hashem is going to have his wish. He's going to go hopefully at the Shabbos without too much homework.